Good morning, everyone. Please take your seats. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have called us to be your children. Thank you, God, that you invite us into a relationship with you. And thank you, Jesus, that you dwell in our hearts and minds that we are now uh, the temple for your Holy Spirit, each of us. So Lord, would you, as individuals, help us to grow deeper in our relationship with you, but also as your church at St. Stephen's, that you would build us into your spiritual house, each one of us playing our part. And Lord, we thank you for this amazing prayer from Paul in Ephesians. Just give us a taste and a glimpse uh, into what it all that you have called us into, the riches of your glorious grace, the inheritance we each have. So open our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we might know you more deeply through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> yeah, this is a wonderful reading, isn't it? I, and as you know... Uh, if you've been around at St. Stephen's for any length of time, this is a passage of scripture, prayer, that I believe God gave to us as a church um, many years ago, actually. I was looking back at, um, at various uh, emails and things that I, I'd written, and actually it was in 2009 that there was a member of this congregation who's actually moved away to another part of the uh, world, actually, um, gave us this passage saying that they felt it was a, something that God was giving us uh, as a church. And so I obviously talked to other leaders within the church and we prayed and considered it. And indeed we felt that this was a real call from God, an encouragement from God to continue to be a community that seeks to be Jesus-centered uh, as our primary value to be centered around Jesus. And this prayer gives us an amazing, um, gives us amazing outline of what that means to be a community centered around Jesus what does that mean and as I mentioned when I preached on from Ephesians 1 it's almost like the whole of this letter Paul is sort of gushing um, forth trying to contain his excitement about what it means to be in Christ what it means to be a follower of Jesus and so I've called this series who do you think you are because actually at the essence of the message of Ephesians, at the heart of the message of Ephesians is, is about our identity as being in Christ. And of course we've seen over the last few weeks, couple of weeks, that there are amazing spiritual blessings that God longs to give to us. And I say longs to give to us because actually he doesn't um, force them upon us. They are ours as gifts to receive. And it's a bit like you know, we are able to refuse gifts. If anyone ever offers you a gift, you are actually able to refuse it. Most of us probably don't. Um, but actually, God is offering us these, these gifts and he's actually saying you need to unwrap it completely. I think some of us live our Christian lives with a, a present that's half unwrapped. We haven't fully unwrapped it. We haven't fully... Um, seen the contents of what God has for us because we get distracted by something else we get distracted by something that's maybe a bit bigger or a bit shinier um, 11 foot 
11 meter high paschal candle might distract us. Uh, no, hopefully it points us to Jesus. But do you know what I mean? We get distracted, don't we, in life? And actually Jesus says to us, I have these blessings and these gifts for you to unwrap and they are yours to possess fully. So that's what we have here in this, in this letter and in this particular prayer we have Paul trying to express what it is that we are in Christ and he's also pouring out his heart, isn't he? He's pouring out his heart for, for these people that he loves, these people that he's poured his heart and soul into in terms of teaching and preaching and trying to just help them to know what it is to live in Christ, to be a Christian. And a bit earlier in the um, chapter before, the bit that um, Elizabeth read to us actually in verse 8, um, we, we hear this, Although I am less, this is Paul speaking, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. What an amazing phrase, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And if you like, this is a summary of Paul's life work. He was actually called to preach to the Gentiles. He was called to bring reconciliation not only between people and God, but also between different types of people. That one of the other big messages of Ephesians is that we are one family under God. We are a new society. And this new society, this new community, this new family is meant to be a, a light, a beacon to this often broken and hurting world of what life can be like. It's a vision of who we can be in Christ. So there is to be no Jew and Greek, slave or free. We're all reconciled. We're all one people. We're all family. One family under God. We'll see that in a moment. That we are one family with God as our Father. And it made me think about, um, you know, what is it that is the essence of, of my life and of your life? What is there a sort of phrase that could sum up what your life is about? And at this time of Lent, it's good to take stock, isn't it? And to think, what actually are we going to be remembered for? What is our life at essence all about? And um, I looked up some famous epitaphs. Um, so I wonder if you can guess who these might be. So, okay, this is the first one. I'm ready to meet my maker. Whether my maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. Anyone know who that is? Winston Churchill, excellent. Very topical, uh, the film out at the moment. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. I have a dream. Martin Luther King. Um, excellent. The best is yet to come. Old Blue Eyes. Frank Sinatra. More recent one. Being the richest man in the cemetery doesn't matter to me. Going to bed at night saying we've done something wonderful, that's what matters to me. There's a film about him as well. It's very similar. He's not dead yet. <laughs> Bill Gates, she said. Inventor of Microsoft Windows. No, he's not dead yet. Very similar. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, Apple. Uh, I knew if I stayed around long enough, something like this would happen. <laughs> no, that's next. George Bernard Shaw. My favourite is from Spike Milligan. Anyone know what Spike Milligan's is? I told you I was ill. 
It's actually on his headstone, written in Gaelic for some reason. So what, what is our life about? This is what Paul is trying to say to these Ephesians, and I believe he's trying to say to us, you know, what is the essence of your life? What is your life one that's centered around Jesus? Is it one that is trying to live uh, in, in, in light of being in Christ, of being uh, adopted into his family? Many of the blessings we, we heard about over the last couple of weeks, being adopted into his family, being forgiven, uh, being children of grace, all of those sort of things, um, he wants us to, to know. And then, he, he, as we get into this prayer, in verse 12, Paul says this, in him, and through faith in him, that's in Jesus, of course, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. With freedom and confidence. And we are called to approach God with freedom and confidence. And I don't know about you, but prayer can be difficult. Um, prayer isn't always easy. But actually, the amazing thing about prayer is that we can approach God with freedom of confidence. We don't have to wait for an appointment. You know, it's so frustrating, isn't it, when you ring those places and you want to see someone urgently, and they say, well, uh, we can probably squeeze you in a week on Thursday. Uh, and you get someone who's obviously trained to keep you away from the, the boss, you know, some assistant who's very well trained that you can never get close to the boss. But actually, that's not true with God, because through Jesus... The door is always open. The, the keep out sign has been turned into a welcome mat, if you like. The, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, wasn't it? So that the way into the Holy of Holies, the way into God's presence uh, is opened. So God is waiting for us. God is waiting for us. And again, during Lent, it's a time maybe to try different ways of praying. Whether that be in silence, whether that be praying through the Psalms, whether that be starting each day saying, thank you, God, for two or three things. Whether it's ending each day, reflecting and saying, God, what have you taught me today? Where have you been present today? Where have, you, where have I not been conscious of your presence? So let's get into the prayer. Essentially, it's a prayer of Paul praying for spiritual maturity, praying that these Christians would discover the heart of what it means to be a Christian. So first of all, the opening verses of this prayer, verses 14 and 15, tell us that we are part of God's family. For this reason I kneel before the Father. Thank you for having it up there, that's great. For this reason I kneel before the Father from his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We are all children of the Heavenly Father. And one of the really important shifts we need to make when we become Christians and as we grow in our Christian lives is to recognize that we are now part of the family of God. We are part of the family of Jesus. And actually that is our primary identity. Our human families, of course, are incredibly important and we can know God's love and express God's love through our human families. But actually we are part now of this human, of this um, family of Jesus and that's really important that's really an important part of our identity God is our all loving and powerful father our all powerful parent um, who parents us perfectly who loves us and accepts us perfectly and then he prays that the that they would he prays I verse 16 I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being isn't that amazing? Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And inner being is, is the, it's the same, sometimes it's translated as heart. It's, it's, it's the seat of our consciousness. It's the seat of 
of what drives us, of what makes us who we are. And that's, he's saying he wants us to know God's power, to actually guide and direct us, that we would be centered around Jesus in the very depths of our being, uh, in, in our ethical actions as well. And then verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you've been rooted and established in love, dwelling in our hearts. And of course, this is not just about the moment where we, for many of us, we asked Jesus to come into our hearts or come into our lives. That's important that Jesus, we've invited Jesus into our lives. But actually more important is the ongoing relationship we have with God is actually our heart the center of who we are being transformed our attitudes our behavior uh, are we growing in trust of the lord are we actually growing in the fruits of the spirit in love and joy and kindness and those things are is there evidence that our relationship with jesus makes any difference because it should it should change us from the inside out rooted and grounded in love rooted and established in love means putting our deep roots into the love of God and we do that through prayer through reading scripture through meeting with one another that's how we grow deeper into the love of God it's creating a rock solid foundation it's building our house upon rock not upon sand that actually we are rooted and grounded in love so that when the storms come which of course they do that the tree might bend but it doesn't fall over because the roots are deep. That's what God is calling us into. Or in New York, for instance, in the, for the skyscrapers, that they have to put these massive piles into the rock. You know, they're really, really, even longer than 11 meters. Um, they're really, really deep so that these big skyscrapers can stand. And you can't see that bit, of course, but there's deep piles that go into the rock. And we need to build our lives on these deep foundations of God's love. Another way of putting, uh, saying to dwell in our hearts is, is that Jesus needs to make his home in our hearts through faith. And I mentioned earlier in my prayer that actually it still blows my mind to think about this, that we are called temples of the Holy Spirit. That we actually have the living God living within us. And then also, it's not just about our individual faith, but it's the fact that together we are being built up into God's temple, God's spiritual house. We are living stones. That's another, so many metaphors that Paul and other writers use that we are being built up together. So our individual salvation is important, but actually our collective working together is also important. And that's one of the reasons I've chosen to preach from Ephesians in this uh, stage of transition, in this times of change for me and also for all of you. Uh, this new season that God is calling us into, that actually as the, as the wind blows a bit and as we might feel a bit unsettled, actually having these deep roots in Christ will help us to discern God's will for the future. And we can be assured that God is with us. God longs for us to grow our roots even deeper into his love as individuals but also as a community. And I know that's uh, it's, some, it's been such a privilege to, to lead this congregation uh, as a church that is seeking to do that and to grow deeper in its relationship with Jesus and to then share that love into this community.
And then this wonderful verse that we might know loves God, Christ's love in all its dimensions. Um, so Paul prays that we would have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It's almost beyond our, well, it is beyond our imagining to know quite how deep and wide and high the love of Christ is. What an amazing vision and picture of God's love that is. I was trying to think how to explain this, and I couldn't really, except thinking of an experience I had, um, oh, 15 years ago maybe, when I went to the Grand Canyon. Has anyone ever been to the Grand Canyon? I don't know about you, but it's, it's so big and so vast that it's almost like our brains, or certainly mine, couldn't quite conceive it. So I was looking down to the Grand Companion, the Grand Companion, Grand Canyon, and there was this tiny, tiny little stream. It was like, you know, like it, from my, you know, looking down, it looked like it was like a centimetre wide, half an inch wide. But actually that was the Colorado River, which is, I think, a mile wide in some parts. And you're looking down at what like, looks like little shrubs, and of course they're massive trees, and it's just like my brain couldn't quite comprehend what I was seeing. And God's love is like that. We, we can only get glimpses of it. But the amazing thing is, although God in some ways is unknowable, he's um, transcendent, he's beyond our understanding, the amazing thing is that through Jesus, that God revealed completely in a human being, we can know him. So he's, un- he's unknowable in the sense that we cannot know him completely, but equally he is knowable because we can know him through Jesus. We can know him through prayer. We can know him through scripture. We can know him through fellowship. And this knowing is not just intellectual knowledge so that in verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. So it's not just intellectual knowledge, but an experiential knowledge that surpasses normal knowledge Um, he is so great and we can know him through Jesus and then we can be filled with the fullness of God just as the presence and glory of God filled the temple in the Old Testament we can now that know that filling and that indwelling of the spirit both individually but also in our corporate acts of worship together that we can know God's presence And then these final couple of verses. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is is at work among us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What an amazing prayer. What an amazing vision of what God can do in our midst. What God has been doing in our midst over the last number of years but what he will continue to do in our midst. Because what God calls us to do is to be faithful. And he will do the rest. He calls us to be faithful in prayer, in worship, in fellowship. And he, uh, as we are obedient to him, he will provide. And he will do even more than we can ask or imagine. I've seen that in my life so many times where God has come up with solutions that I couldn't possibly have dreamed of. Um, couldn't possibly have imagined and the way to do this is to spend time with him asking him to give us his dreams asking him to give us his vision I know that's part of the process we're going through as a church what is God's vision for this for the future of this church what is who is the sort of person that God is calling to lead us on into what he has for us and of course all of this 
is to his glory. This is all about his glory and his fame. That actually we might be a church that proclaims his glory, proclaims that Jesus Christ is Lord um, and that he wants to be Lord of our lives, that he wants to be Lord of the lives of all those people who don't yet know who he is. So I'd really encourage you to pray this prayer, to pray this prayer for St. Stephen's, particularly in this time of transition, but as we go beyond. And it is my prayer for you, and it has been my prayer for you basically since 2009, um, that actually this has been my almost daily prayer for us as a church, that we would know the depth and height and breadth of the love of Jesus, that we would be established and rooted in his love, that we would know his power. And this power that he gives us is not for, to play with. It's actually so that we can see others come to know the Lord. And we do have access to this power, this power to pray for others. So maybe this week, think about one person that you want to have the opportunity to pray for. And it might be you can actually pray for them there and then, or it might be that you'll just offer to pray for them. And prayer changes things. I don't really understand the dynamics of that, but it really does. So God calls us to pray. God calls us to be rooted and established in him. Let's pray now. Jesus, thank you that we are part of your family. Thank you that we are part of your family here at St. Stephen's, but across the world and we pray that we would know your love that surpasses knowledge that we would be filled with a me- in, to the measure of all the fullness of God and that we would know your will for us as a church going forward and that we would trust that you can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within your church and within us as individuals and in all this Lord we want you to have the glory Lord, would you continue to be glorified in Shottermill? Would you continue to be glorified in our lives, in the lives of this St. Stephen's family? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.